Welcome to the Mike Litton Experience Podcast. Mike has over 31 years experience in real estate, finance, and investing. He's passionate about being a father, a teacher, a realtor, an investor, and a leader. Everyone has a story, and our passion is to help them tell it. And now, introducing the host of the Mike Litton Experience, Mike Litton. So what can you expect from the Mike Litton Experience? You can expect stories that will inspire, motivate, advice that will sharpen your focus, and expert information on real estate, finance, and market conditions. Hanish, thank you so much for being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience, bud. I really appreciate you. I know how busy you are. Appreciate you making time in your busy schedule for us, um, hopping back and forth between here and Vegas and all that kind of stuff, man. Really appreciate you making a hole for us in your schedule. So thank you so much <laughs> for being that. here, buddy. Um, and it really means a lot to me. It really does. No, I'm uh, grateful to be here. Thank you for the invite. I'm happy to share. And, and, and for the record, I don't live in Vegas. I just had a, a brief trip for less than 20 hours there. Just a little party. Just a little party, right? Just a quick one. I, it was too good to pass up. We could talk we about that We appreciate you squeezing us in, though. I really do. Yeah, right? for sure. Absolutely. So so anyway, so, um, I, so like we talked about, everyone has a story. And our passion is to help them tell it. So with your permission, what we'd like to do is start with where you were born Go all the way through your life story up to today, and then we can talk about anything you'd like to talk about. Is that cool? Sounds good. Let's start. I'm, I was cool. born in India, in, a, in this very southern part of India called Kerala. Mm -hmm. India is kind of shaped like a triangle. And so like on the west coast at the very tip, gotcha. is a thin state. Um, it's kind of, uh, and it's that's, that's Kerala, and that's where my parents are from, and that's where I was born. Uh, right until they came to visit my aunt and uncle in Michigan when I was about two years old. Okay. And um, they came to visit, young family. Uh, dad had just, you know, didn't have a job at that time. I think he was working someplace in India. And my wife actually asked him a, a year or so ago, you know, what made you want to stay? Because this was just supposed to be a visit. Right. And, and my wife, <laughs> and my dad told my wife the first time I had a hamburger. Oh, cool. I and, love uh, it. That, that, that convinced them that we just that American America. culture got him. <laughs> <laughs> and so the rest is history we stayed stayed in michigan uh, my dad drove around looked for a job and ended up working at chrysler okay um in, in metro detroit area so i grew up in metro detroit uh in suburban detroit specifically mostly in rochester hills um right until college and i went to college in ann arbor at university of michigan Ooh, okay that's a spicy cool. topic right now. Yep. You're a Wolverine. That's cool, dude. I'm a, I'm a Wolverine. And um, and so that that was awesome. I, I wasn't a giant college football fan then. I've become one since. Oh, uh, cool. Obviously, I went to the games and stuff, and I've grown, grown an appreciation for the sport. Um, but I had a, a very good experience at college. Um, you know, did a lot of stuff, learned and grew a lot, and uh, managed to to keep the social activities to a minimum and graduate with a decent decent grades and that's awesome and and uh, yeah so that was my my upbringing any, any anything we need to dive into there yeah oh, absolutely so you moved so you moved to Michigan when you're two right yep okay so you moved to Michigan when you're two <clears throat> what was your favorite thing about growing up in Michigan it's a good question you know um, we we lived. A good chunk of my life, I lived in a cul-de-sac, and I I just remember being a kid. It seems a little different than now uh, nowadays, where I don't see kids in neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. But I remember just mobbing the neighborhoods. 
like having some friends, three, four, five, six friends, all the way up until like high school, maybe, yeah. you, you know, being able to ride our bikes through, through our neighborhood, ride our bikes to our nearby town, ride it to the five and dime, buy some smoke bombs, buy a little firecrackers, cause a little bit of havoc, totally harmless, go to the lake, catch frogs, mm-hmm. you know, just things like that, that, um, that, you know, like kid stuff, you know, play in the woods, the little, yeah. yeah, old fashioned kid, ride bikes, get a little bit of trouble, you know, uh, you know, start fires in the, in the woods and hopefully they didn't burn down the place. And unfortunately I didn't, um, and, uh, things like that. So I, I enjoyed that a lot. Uh, you know, people say they like the seasons and stuff. It was okay. I, I was okay with shoveling snow and scraping my car every once in a while. I don't remember complaining about it too much at that time. That's cool, man. So, so you grow up, so you grow up in, in Michigan and you go to high school. Where did what high school did you go to and graduate from? Yeah, I went to high school in Pontiac, which is kind of a tougher part of town, but it was a Catholic high school. So I went to public okay. school all my life. And um, you know, a, a small percentage of uh, Indians are actually Christian and or Catholic. And so my okay. family has been for hundreds of years. And so my we always went to church growing up. And my parents wanted me to go to Catholic school. And as a kid, you don't have too much say in it, which but fortunately it was kind of a, a blessing in disguise for me personally. Because you know, no one likes change, mm-hmm. uh, but changing to that school was helpful because I was uh, my my quality of my friend group went up considerably. Gotcha. And so then I had other kids that were trying to do good in school, get involved in activities and sports. Still had some social fun, but um, it, it was a lot more wholesome then. And you know, a lot of my friends went on to become successful and have 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 a good experience and still do. So I'm, I was really fortunate to go to a, a Notre Dame prep, which was a Catholic high school in Pontiac, mm-hmm. and uh, cool. that helped. Uh, so did you play any sports i did yeah i played a year of football some basketball i played some tennis and uh and then i was involved i was the guy that was involved in the newspaper the yearbook the french club student government etc etc i packed it in packed so it in. all those things what was your favorite <clears throat> um you know i i had i still play a lot of basketball so i maybe that's my favorite today yeah uh but at the time, I, I remember thinking, and I still have my old newspapers that I was the editor-in-chief of, and I really had a good time putting that newspaper together cool, um, and get, getting my forcing my friends to write articles and, and uh, you know, mock wards and stuff like that. And just to, mm-hmm. just to have all that together was cool, and it was, it was cool to be able to say that I put that together. And uh, A lot of my friends from my high school still say that they kept their newspapers as well, and it's fun to read it, you know? Cool, man. That's cool. That's a nice memory. So yeah. going to going to high school, was journalism your favorite subject? No, I was I was pretty much a pretty hard uh, into science and math and stuff like that. I was kind of okay. down that route. Um, I did really well in physics. I did really well in math classes. I actually liked writing quite a bit. Um, I, you know, I was your atypical nerd. I don't think people knew I was a nerd, but like I was I was a nerd. I like I did homework. I did my homework. I, I read the books and. Uh, and I, I don't ever remember complaining about it. I was like, "Oh, cool, a project. Let's knock it out." Because I was like happy to, I was like happy to learn, you know. Absolutely, that's so, cool. Man. That's um, cool. You know, the, I, 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 I am very bad at languages, though. So everything else I was pretty good at, um, except for chemistry. Mm-hmm. I did a hard time with those bondings and mm-hmm. pairs and stuff. Had a hard time with that. And I had a hard time with uh, languages. Like I took French, which was a mistake knowing yeah. that I live in San Diego yeah. uh, and I'm, I'm still bad at language. I can't, I can't conjugate verbs to save my life. Yeah. I, I, I know the feeling. Okay. So <laughs> question for you. So you go to university of Michigan. Why yeah. Michigan? 
Um, one, it was financial. I, I knew my parents weren't rich. And so when I looked at out-of-state schools and saw how much the tuition was, and I was like, this is unreasonable. And I, I didn't know the concept of student loans, thank God, you know, but fortunately my parents had enough money to pay for in-state tuition at one of the, the colleges. Perfect. Uh, That's so awesome. Two, when I was looking at the different colleges and then kind of studying what's, what's what, um, you know, Michigan seemed to be my best option that I got into, you know? Ooh. And so I was like, okay, cool. Let me go to this big school. I looked at the small Catholic schools. I was like, let me see if these are a fit because I had a good experience in high school, but they weren't a fit. I was ready for a change. I wanted to go to the big school with the big opportunities absolutely. and uh, very glad that I did. Yeah, absolutely. So go blue, right? Go blue. Right. Go green. So, um, so what did you major in in college? Yeah, I had a double major. I did uh, economics and psychology. And so okay. I did econ. I was thinking I might be going back for business school. I, you know, I wanted to go down that science route. Um, but, uh, for some reason I got, I got the business kick, you know, so I was doing some science classes and what happened was I think that first summer I tried to start a tech business myself, mm -hmm. um, for, uh, medical billing yeah. and learned a lot about business, but I started to get like an entrepreneurial kick. Yeah. And, uh, my second job that I had like, you know, business related job was selling advertising for the school newspaper. Ooh, there you go. And so the school, the school newspaper in Michigan, the Michigan Daily, is one of, I think, maybe the only school newspaper that's self-funded yeah. from the advertising that they generate because it's a big enough publication and they generate enough revenue. So I got to do that. And so I kind of grew to love sales yeah. from there. And I was like, this is a lot more fun. I'm more, I learned, grew to learn that I was more of a people person yeah. than a computer and research and, and lab person. Yeah, I'd agree and with so, that. <laughs> and so... Uh, so I wanted to do econ thinking I'd go back and get my master's degree in business sometime. Um, and uh, I, well, I was way great. ahead on credits and I had enough time to like get another major. And um, being a young single guide, I noticed that there was a higher quantity of females in the psychology classes. So I also did psychology. There you go. Psychology, there you go. So I just, I just wasn't surrounded by there was a girl involved, right? So um, yeah, all the all the all the crazy stuff I've ever done. There's a girl involved, so I totally get it. So we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, and plus, I liked it. You know, the psychology it. came in handy. I feel like I've probably learned more applicable stuff there than I did in my econ class. Well, especially econ in sales. You know, sales sure. is all about psychology. You know, for sure. Yeah, when yeah. people ask me to analyze the LIBOR and the tenure and stuff like that, I'm like, yeah, I kind of know what this stuff is. But at the end of the day, I'm not dealing with world economics. I'm dealing with selling individual houses and stuff yeah, like no that. Kidding. So. No kidding. And LIBOR actually just went away, believe it or not, as an index. So, oh, um, okay. So, um, so you graduate from, from Michigan, right? Yeah. Then what happens? <clears throat> um, I applied to a bunch of jobs. Uh, and uh, finally got picked up by a subprime mortgage company. Okay. Based out of San Diego. Oh, cool. Which one? Uh, accredited home lenders. Okay. I used to do business with them. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. And so um, they uh, they liked me. I interviewed, and then um, I was going to be doing management trainee was the job. Okay. Right. So the goal was that I'd go through about a year of training, and either decide to go in sales, mm -hmm. likely for me. Or yeah. operations and become like an under underwriter or an ops manager or something like that. Right. And so uh, I moved to C Cincinnati where they had their biggest regional office in the area. Uh, did training there for underwriting, stacking docs, income, credit, collateral, capacity, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, did that for about nine months um, and then moved to Chicago where I went into sales. 
Okay. Yeah. So you joined the sales with accredited. Yeah. And you're in Chicago. Yep. Right. How long are you there? Yep. Uh, about three years. Okay. So I stayed there in the. Um, and I didn't, you know, it wasn't any kind of visionary or kind of uh, market genius, but I knew in late 2005, dishing out 80-20 stated loans for people that didn't seem like they make a lot of money, but the underwriters approved them. And I had one of the highest funding ratios in the company. Mm -hmm. um, it seemed suspicious to me that this was going to be uh... <clears throat> it seemed suspicious to me that everyone was getting a mortgage. Yeah, it seems suspicious to me that everyone's getting a mortgage, and I was like, I don't know about this job. It seems sketchy. I don't know what I, the writing was kind of on the wall, but I didn't know what it was. It didn't feel yeah. right. So the company kept offering me promotions to be like a regional manager in St. Louis or in Minnesota mm -hmm. or something like that, and I was like, this isn't. Uh, I'm not interested in moving those cities. I live in a pretty good city, you know. And so my plan was to close up shop pass off my accountants to my friends that are at the company, sell my condo, my my car, my motorcycle, and go travel, right? Go travel starting South America. I had been studying Spanish uh, and so had a tutor and I've been learning Spanish for the last year and um, was just going to go travel because I was 25 and had a bunch of money saved up. I was one of the top salespeople in Chicago. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I'm young, single, no kids. So let's go, you know? And so um, that was the plan. That was the thinking. It was all, all, all in progress to go that way. Uh, but then I bumped into the president of the company uh, at the Christmas party. He mm -hmm. came out to Chicago and he said, hey, I heard you're going to quit and travel, which sounds awesome. But um, we're going to open an outsourcing operation in India where I was born and lived mm -hmm. for two years. Mm -hmm. uh, he said, would you be interested in running it? And I said, let me think about that. <laughs> uh, yes, I'll do that. I'll do that job. <laughs> and so uh, I, I did go to, to Costa Rica for a few weeks. Uh, and then came back, packed up my stuff and, and flew out to India uh, in like early 2006, like maybe like springtime of 2006. Yeah. So how and, long um, India? A little over a year. So 2006, 2007. So, you know, right as the crash was starting, you know, right. um, uh, 2006, 2007, about 13 months total, I got to live there and oversee the transition to the outsourcing uh, operation there. Gotcha. Okay. So you're there for a little over a year. <laughs> And yep. then where do you go from there? Um, from there, I kept flying to San Diego for business trips because a lot of our operations were here in Rancho Bernardo. Yeah. So in 2007, I moved to, to San Diego. Okay. Yep, that's you how moved that to happened. San Diego, and, you moved to San Diego because coming here, you fell in love with it, that kind of thing? Correct, yeah. I yeah. Uh, I grew to love beach volleyball at college. That was one of my there favorite you. things. There and so uh, when I moved to Chicago, I lived by North Avenue Beach and they have a lot of volleyball courts there. So any day that was reasonable... I was playing volleyball four or five times a week. Oh, that's cool. It was awesome. And so I was like, why can't I why don't I just live someplace where I can play every day of Absolutely. the year? Absolutely. 365, right? <laughs> exactly. And I so that, that was the, the major reason I wanted to move here is to have a place where the weather was better so I could play more volleyball. That's um, cool. And so, yeah, I moved here in 2007. I had some time to transition out of that, that last position. Uh, and the president came to me again and said, hey, great work. You can have any job in the company. Here are some options for you. Mm -hmm. And so he gave me all these different options to run the office in Vancouver, which sounds cool, or go start up an office in Austin or run the operations in Florida. He's like, but I think you should take over the REO department because it's a mess and he needs someone smart to run it. Yeah. And that and was here. And that was here. That was here in San Diego. And so uh, 
I was like, yeah, that sounds great. I'd like to learn more about real estate. You know, I know a little bit about lending. I know a little bit about service. I've owned a couple properties myself now, but I'm by no means good at real estate. At, mm -hmm. But yeah, you know, and so he's like, great, give me a week to fire the current guy and, and then you can start then. And so um, wow, that's how that went down. And then I took over the REO department, which we grew to 25 asset managers. We were managing about 2000 homes uh, nationwide, mm -hmm. selling anywhere from 150 to 450 a month. Wow. Um, and so I was, you know, had to sign off on all of those and review BPOs and price reductions and, you know, remodel plans and stuff like that. So really, really got kind of deep into managing a huge amount of properties. Baptism by fire. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It's, uh, my training awesome. from the uh, director of operations for this job in the past one was you'll figure it out. And I was yeah. like, got it. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the training. <laughs> <laughs> That's a real vote of confidence if you think about it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. I was like, yeah, okay, I guess I will figure it out. But, you know, yeah. is there something that I need to do? You know, so, so anyways, so it, it went out. Uh, that's that's how that worked. And that's how I got to San Diego. That's cool. So you're in. So how long did you work for accredited after you moved here? Yeah, uh, 2009. Okay, so a yeah, couple of years. Okay. Yeah, a couple of years. Uh, and then they got bought and then they merged with Caliber. Yeah. And then... I made it through several rounds of layoffs and then finally they're like, okay, we're going to merge this department. And I, they, I, I'd started doing some real estate business anyways. Mm -hmm. And so they're like, the ops manager's like, well, it seems like you got some stuff going on. I was like, that's fine. I'm, I'm happy to leave now. Yeah. And so that's kind of how that went on. So, so you got uh, into re residential real estate? Uh, yeah, I was, I was starting to get into some flips. And so we had some money pulled together where we were trying to buy some pools buying pools of REO with a big thing, you know? Okay. And so I helped a couple companies do that. And then I was involved in the asset management of that for about yeah. a, uh, maybe about a year or so yeah. before um, I got headhunted by a consulting company. And so uh, for mortgage servicing and, uh, and the like. Mm -hmm. And so um, the, the business was, was making a very mediocre amount of money. And I was like, well, this sounds pretty good. They're paying me a good amount. Mm -hmm. be a consultant so i took that gig i was still living in san diego but they were flying me out to Dallas, uh, dallas every week yeah. uh, to um, consult for banks like bank of america mostly uh, and then i was also doing a little bit for chase as well wow for their servicing departments short sales reo foreclosure departments even loo departments and going through their systems um, and telling them to fire people things like that mm-hmm yeah, I sold it, but right about that time, I was selling a bunch of houses for Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase and, well, you know, Washington Mutual and right. Um, yep, yeah, absolutely. That was that was wild. That yeah, was so that time. that yeah, I was in their offices doing that um, for a little over a year. I did that. So then, once you do that for a little over a year, then where do you go? Um, I was kind of getting burned out of the 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 industry. You know, uh, consulting you. itself wears you out. And so I was thinking I'd take a shift. I think I was thinking uh, I was doing like a little sabbatical. So I applied to get a master's degree in public administration. I think I was thinking I was going to leave the industry altogether. Really? And get into government, government consulting, um, and or, you know, like federal or state government work. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Trying to make a difference in the world type thing. And uh, right. I got into every school I applied for, but I went, ended up going to Syracuse for an executive master's in public administration. And I went there. It took me about nine months to crush through a one-year course, mm -hmm. um, and had a good experience in upstate New York. You know, for a year, I went back to studying, which I like to do, yeah. and took a lot of law classes. 
and and really like law. I'm not don't you know don't quote me on this, but it's possible in the future I, I get a law degree or yeah. or you know, just just because I'm good at reading and writing and 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 I like and I like and respect the law. Uh, so anyways, I got a master in public administration, which included a lot of law classes, national security law, constitutional law, uh, things like that. It was awesome. And so I, I had a good experience. Met met um, high up government officials from all kinds of crazy places. You know, Moldova, um, Mongolia, you know, South America, everywhere. It was it was awesome. So I got to meet with executives from other countries um, and, and that had experience. I wasn't just with a bunch of like young people that have done nothing. Right. So that was kind of cool. That's cool. Uh, but as I was, and I got offered great jobs at the State Department, at the White House, at the Treasury, and a bunch of other places. And nice. as I was talking to one of my, one of the guys that was a professor um, that was a Deputy Secretary of State under Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. in charge of over 3,000 drone strikes, and he retired and is, was the dean at, the, at Syracuse. Uh, he was one of my law professors, and so I was talking to him, and he gave me advice to do what I love, basically. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, shit, I'd love to live in San Diego and play beach volleyball a lot. Right. <laughs> and I, he's like, it could be, you know, you could be a big fish in a small pond versus a small fish in a big pond. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, let me come to San Diego. So I moved back to San Diego and uh, and then I got involved in local government and my local community groups. Um, not necessarily politically, but I did get an elected position uh, and I served in that role for about five years before I started having kids and got busy. Okay. So, so what, for like land use committee. Yeah, it was a, I was in the planning group for Pacific Beach. Oh, gotcha. Okay. So, okay. So I was a general board member for about six months, vice chair for about a year, and then chair for about three and a half years. Oh, that's um, cool. So I was in charge of all the major developments that came through PB. So in, how was that experience? Yeah, it was really it was really good. Um it was interesting because those boards are typically made up of older, more established, retired uh neighbors. And so I was young, full of energy, organized, uh, and and pro builder, you know, which yeah. is a, a rarity because these are the groups that are typically credited with being heavy nimbies. Right. And so um, we got we got accolades for being supportive of developers and cooperating with them and inputting neighborhood needs and approving projects. That's you know? cool. And so I was I was I was happy to be able to shift the opinions of of the other board members because i didn't vote unless it was a tiebreaker mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, most times we approved the projects and i remember when we would meet with the other planning groups there's 42 of them in san diego wow and then the the central planning group so every community within san diego has their own planning group that's in charge of okay. land use uh it's advisory I didn't there were that city. many communities in san diego yeah absolutely 42? if you break them down yeah, every single community has their own. Mira Mesa, Ranch Bernardo, Tierra yeah. Santa, Ocean Beach, they all have their own, you know. Hard, that that is hard that is hard to put my to wrap my head around, but you know, I I mean, yeah, I guess there I guess there are that many. That's crazy. So so once a month they would send the chairs and we'd have to meet with the other chairs and go over overall city agenda type stuff. But yeah, they uh I remember they one meeting they went and they accommodated, you know, uh, commended PB for having the most favorable, uh, you know, like approving projects and not just shooting down every project right. like every other group did, yeah. you know, and, and without any reason besides like the boogeyman of too many people in traffic and, you know, they're going to block my view and things like yeah. that. Well, you know, there's, there's been a real, there's been a real issue 
um, in the building industry. And I've, I've had a, I had an experience, a personal experience that was also professional. Um, I, I used to be, I used to do home loans for buyers that were buying new homes. And I would go every year to the bull and bear dinner that the building industry association put on. And the bull always said that things were going to be great. And the bear always said things were going to be terrible. And those two guys never agreed on anything, including the color of the sky. <laughs> January of 2000, they end up agreeing that we're running out of permittable land in San Diego County to build on. And mind you, I'm 100% builder. I have nothing else. I have one, I'm 100% builder. Now I've got 300 loans in my pipeline, but I'm 100% builder. I've got a baby here that's almost two years old. I've got a baby on the way that's coming six months later, as it turned out, right? And I mean, it changed my life because I literally was sitting there and I got a chill from head to toe and I knew I had to diversify because I literally was that big fish in a, in a, in a smaller and smaller pond, right? Um, yep. That wasn't going to work um, supporting my family. So I was the sole support, you know? Yep. So in less than a year, we opened a Keller Williams office. Okay. Uh, and that was how we diversified. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Uh, but it was one of those things where, you know, I tell God all the time, I don't do hints. Right. So I got slapped upside the face with it. Turns out the bull was Alan Nevin. Right. And Alan now is a good buddy of mine. Um, he's been on our podcast now twice. Um, and so, yeah. So, you know, I, I told him, I said, you, you completely changed my life a couple of times. For the good, wow. you know, wow. it, yeah. it rocked my world. So anyway, yeah, but it awesome. needed to be rocked, right? So, yeah, for so sure. you're on the planning commission. So you are are you in real estate at that point when you're in on the uh, planning? Yeah, commission? absolutely. So I came back and then uh, was just like, okay, I need to get a job. I don't want to go back to consulting. Right. I don't want to go back to the mortgage industry. I oh, had right. my license. I'm not a very good real estate agent in that I don't do like a bunch of lead gen and all my friends are broke neighbors of mine, you know, that are yeah. just young young guys in BB. Right. Um, so uh, a friend of mine that owns a title company is like, Hey, let me introduce you to, to my buddy that owns a, a flipping company and he's ready to retire. Oh, cool. So I met with him. That's perfect. He said, You're great. Let me put you in. I'm moving to Florida, to Hawaii. You take over the company. Ooh, there you go. And so did that. He had a decent operation going, um, a small office in, in, uh, in Hillcrest, and a few people that worked for him and enough business to keep him busy. But um, I quickly found out, and my friend told me, he's like, hey, he's guy's kind of questionable with his values, you know, make your own decisions, yeah. right? And so sure enough, he was highly questionable with his values and, and morals and had no problem cheating and lying to people. And uh, I was like, this isn't going to be a fit. You know, I've, yeah. I've, I just don't, I'm not that kind of person. No, you're not. Um, and so I was like, let me, I'm going to leave this company. Mm-hmm think about it but i think i've learned enough where i could do the same thing he was doing sure. but just honestly just yeah. tell people that the truth do it the right yes way. i would like to buy your house and i'm going to try to fix it up and if i do everything right i might make some money mm -hmm. you know instead of trying to lie to him and say oh it's not a purchase or it's, it's you know temporary or stuff like that that and, and i was like i i'm not i'm not doing it but he'd have other people at the company do it but if i'm running it it's my signature on stuff that's true and so your um, reputation I, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't having it, you know? And so, so that's what we did. So, you know, I did that for about four five, six months before I left. And then like the following month, 
I was like, I'm just going to start my own flipping company. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's what I did in early 2014. Right. And you've been doing that yeah. ever since. Yeah. Same company that I have uh, still today. You know, so almost 10 years old. Yeah. Uh, that same LLC that I have, you know, is still the same. So, I, you know, the names changed back in 2017. But yeah, same same company, effectively. So you're flipping houses. Yep. And you're also, from what I understand, you're also building apartment complexes. Is that right? I'm getting there. Uh, I'm getting there. So I've got a bunch of things in the pipeline. Yeah. And so uh, they are going to take, you know, the closest ones are about a couple months away from being built. Uh, mm-hmm. The longest ones are about two years away from being built. Okay. But I do have probably 250 to 300 units in contract right now awesome. uh, to be built uh, over the next over the next couple of years. Um, and that's growing pipeline. I actually might scoop up a bunch more just next week, <clears throat> um, which is exciting. So, yeah, so pr- pretty big opportunity there as I'm transitioning into that multifamily. But there's been a lot of stuff that's happened in those last 10 years yeah. as well, you know? So, so. So when I met you, you had a 30 unit piece of land yeah. you had just secured? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So we've gone through two rounds of early design review with the Vista Planning Commission. It's going to be a 33 okay. unit yeah. uh, in Vista in a pretty good location near shopping centers and stuff like that. And yeah. it's cool because all around our property are other multi-units that are being built and will be done. So it will be the last piece of construction on that street. That's cool. uh, and so that's going well. Uh, and uh, we're probably about another year away from breaking ground on that thing. That's exciting. So let yep. me ask you this. So you've been flipping houses now, let's call it 10 years just to be safe, right? Yep. You've been flipping houses for 10 years now. What's the number one thing you learned, the number one most important thing you've learned in the last 10 years? About flipping houses? Mm-hmm. Got to buy it at the right price. Yeah. Got to buy it at the right price. Um and, and, you know, that goes along with not being overly optimistic on your exit value. Right. You know, and so I was just talking to a friend right before this, right before I jumped on, he wants to buy another piece of property and I have a flip coming up in Scripps Ranch. Mm-hmm. And I told him the specs and the number. He's like, oh, that seems way too low. I was like, okay, good. You know, and so when I told him the price and so, but I'd rather be conservative sure. and, then, and, and then be pleasantly surprised if it goes 50, 100, 200 over, right. as opposed to being very cranky that it goes 50, 100, 200 under. Right. Yeah, right. So pricing it right is key. And, you know, that's why good, you know, good realtors don't take overpriced listings or, you know, have a plan to do price reduction because you don't want to chase the price down. And so that's true. if you buy it right, you make your money on the, on the purchase. I got you. That's awesome. So, so you, so you buy them right. Let me ask you this. If there's somebody that wants to get into buying houses, fixing them up and reselling them, somebody wants to get into the flipping business, is there any sort of an opportunity to work with you on that? Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this is, and I'll admit the first 25, 30 houses that I flipped was with a partner that had a significant experience in flipping houses. Okay. And so, um, yeah, there's different roles that you can do. I mean, the biggest thing is getting the leads direct to property owner to right. buy houses. Right. Uh, and there's a different ways to do that, right? There's different ways to skin that cat. Uh, and if people wanted to work with me, I mean, I would encourage anyone that's new to work with someone experienced uh, because there's a hundred ways to lose money in this business as no well. Uh, and so, yeah, there's definitely ways that I can get you productive quickly and ideally hopefully get a deal done in the first month or two. Gotcha. Do you ever wholesale property? 
I personally have not, um, but I'll admit that I'm part owner of a wholesale company, which we do ethically. And, uh, and so I'm more as an advisory on their, on their company. And so they do all their own lead gen and management and contracts and disposition. Um, and I'll just advise as needed because sometimes they misunderstand property values, uh, especially with all the zoning and, and code changes that have been favorable for development. So in those cases, then, you know, at least I can go through their uh, pipeline and cherry pick the ones that we should be keeping in house. Right. I'm with you. So the reason I'm asking, reason I'm asking is I'm getting a lot of people that are asking me about wholesaling. It seems to be a a popular thing now. And so they're asking me about, about me mentoring them in wholesaling. And I don't really have a lot of time to be mentoring people in wholesaling, you know? Um, Yeah. So I haven't, I haven't agreed to do that, to do that, but um, there are, there are, and I get also questions from people about, about getting started in flipping, you know, they, they want to flip houses, they've been watching HGTV and, you know, yep. they want to, they want to jump in kind of thing. So um, if you're okay with it, I'll put them together with you. Um, and you can, yeah, I can you at least point them in the right direction. Absolutely. If, if I'm not the right person, I'm always happy to point them in the right person. And I yeah. always love meeting people in San Diego. Uh it's my my community. I don't want to make it anywhere else, and and um, I, I like being here. Yeah. So it's always worth worthwhile to meet local San Diegans, whether they're in the business or not. Yeah, I certainly enjoyed meeting you. Uh, we met at a seminar in in Carlsbad uh, about multifamily. It's Todd or Peckinpah's uh, seminar. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but I thoroughly enjoyed our time together. And after I met you, I knew I was starting this podcast, and I you were one of the first people that I wanted on here um, to, to be a a guest of ours. So, um, I really, really appreciate you doing this. So is there anything else you'd like to talk about before we wrap up? Yeah. I mean, we've done a few things along the way. I mean, I I think we might've missed that, uh, you you know, around 2015, I had to hire a full-time project manager to manage my flips in the construction. So, uh, it turned out to be a, a Navy officer, um, real detail oriented, real organized, um, people started coming to our houses saying, Hey, we live down the street. We don't want to buy, but could, could you remodel our house? Oh, cool. So we started doing some of those deals. Uh, by 2018, we turned that into a full licensed separate company. Wow. And so now I've got a full services construction company that I'm also, you know, I'm CEO, I'm 50% owner, but I basically work as an advisor and some business development. Yeah. Uh, but now we have four project managers, wow. three salespeople, a uh, dozen or so laborers and we're building a dozen different structures throughout san diego at a time oh that's uh, awesome. and that's we're we're going through the process to really scale up that business uh and professionalize it over the next few years and turn it into a good size you know home construction company uh not just for residential but then also starting to get into the uh, uh commercial and the development ideally i could use my own company for my own buildings right yeah that's awesome that's- man. you're right we did miss a big piece i apologize <laughs> no it's all good yeah, so so that's that's uh, so I you know I share my office with my construction team, and we actually might take over the office behind me too, uh, because they're the you know the the lumber drops and the window drops and the appliance drops are starting to take up a bunch of my space here. Oh my uh, goodness! For our projects. Oh, so they're and coming so, to there. Sometimes, sometimes depends on what stage the the property's at, you know. Gotcha. And so if if it's ready to take it on, then great. If not, you know, if they're drywalling and we don't want to drop appliances there and everything gets dusty, yeah. you know, it's a mess. Well, and it's also security too, because sometimes it's harder to to keep those locked up, you know. And Correct. you don't want yeah. you don't so, want appliances sitting there when it's not 
when the place isn't secure. So correct, yeah, and so and we're not like you know we're like a mid level or high level mid to high level uh, contractor. So I don't have like cheap stuff or cheap houses where you know we're in nicer places and nicer budgets that uh, people appreciate the value, the service, the communication, the customer, you know, and stuff like that. Definitely, yeah, that's cool, man. So that so that's a big part there. Um, and, and then the real estate team, I've got a real estate team now that's been growing. We've got about 20 or so agents uh, and they're doing a bunch of deals. And so I'm uh, their team leader, you know, I'm with uh, eXp. So I'm not my broker associate, but I didn't want to be the broker anymore. I had my own brokerage and it, it was, uh, it was difficult as people that have had brokerages know it's hard to make money as a broker. Uh, but it's a little bit more organized when we have some scale of, of the company, which has been helpful. And so, yeah, but from that, uh, and then last year, going to some multifamily conferences really compelled me that I needed to start putting that in my pipeline, yeah. knowing that it's it's not quick money like flips are, right? Yeah. The flip you can get out of you know in and out of in four months, but you know with the development deal, it's best case four years. Yeah, you know. I was just so, gonna say it's 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 a few years anyway. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, so I you know I, that's that's kind of the plan is that I keep doing this because it pays the bills, but then stack the pipeline because. Um, there's a few more zeros in, in those bigger deals. That's true. So let me ask you this. So when you're looking at land to build apartment complexes on, what are you primarily looking for a particular type of zoning? Like, are you, are you looking for opportunity zones? Are you looking, you know, what, yep, what specifically are you looking so there, for? There's a couple of things that I'm looking at. Um, one, you know, for the most part, when, when I was in the planning group, a lot of the, the plans that came through had to come through the planning group because it needed a discretionary review, right? which means the planning groups got to see it. Now with all the new rules that have passed with ADUs and complete communities, those are now ministerial projects, which means that it doesn't go to public review. Okay. And so if I don't have my favorable PB group supporting my project, I don't have to worry about it because I don't have to worry about Rancho Bernardo shooting down my project. I got you. Uh, because it goes straight to the city and if it meets the building code it gets approved okay that's that's, cool. that's one um so if it's not in that zone then it gets more difficult or if i'm breaking some of the design rules then it gets more difficult because then i need a discretionary okay. review yeah. two um I, you know location is everything so mm -hmm. i don't want to be next to the tire shop or the auto mechanic or you know the infill or the cemetery i don't i don't want those thoughts you know right. so I, I want a place where i'll be like yeah i would live there you know, okay. uh, you know, maybe not me at 43 with three kids and a wife, but maybe <laughs> when I was 25, I would, I was like, yeah, I would happily live here or when, right. when, you know, when I'm, and so, when you're I, I'd always wanna, water, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, so I'd always want a place where I'd be like, I'd love to live here. There's a Walgreens next door, or yeah. there's a great restaurants around the street. You know, I'd be happy to live here. So, uh, that, that fortunately most of San Diego is pretty good, but there are some areas of town where we don't have those amenities and there's no grocery stores and it's all tire shops and oil change places. And I'm like, I don't want to live next to the check cash. And you really, and you really you know, wouldn't live there. Yeah. That's not, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't live there. I wouldn't live there even when I was young and single. And so uh, it's got to be in a good location. And then finally, like my, my other rule of thumb is I, when I calculate how many units can be built, I need to make sure I'm buying the land at less than $25,000 a door. Gotcha. And okay. so uh, a lot that's, of my projects. That's a, good, that's a good guideline. Yeah, for sure. And so uh, that's helpful. Uh, and then anytime I can layer on some creative financing, mm -hmm. I'll do that as well. Okay. Some of my deals have seller carries. Uh, some of them are long escrows and things like that. So I'll do different techniques so I can limit my holding costs while I'm spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to get plans approved. Right. 
Yeah, so you're not completely coming out of pocket for the entire thing up front. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So yeah, so the project in, in Vista, um, I had a seller uh, seller lease option to okay. close after I get permits. Uh, and there was a renter at the small house that was on that big lot. It's a 22,000 square foot lot. Mm -hmm. uh, renter's paying 2,200 a month. My lease option costs 2,500. My holding cost is $300 a month. Wow. So that's how that one worked. That's awesome. Um, another property I've got in Golden Hill, um, similar thing, except I was able to convince the seller to take a two-year escrow. Okay. I'm getting plans. So I've got my EMD in. Escrow is open. Right. Uh, but I don't have to close for two years until you have all your approvals done yeah and i had to get that extended because i had to go through earthquake review which i've never done before and had to dig a bunch of holes to make sure it wasn't in a fault zone wow. i also had to go through historical historical review through the city wow. and so got through all that and now we can get to the building plans because i wanted to make sure there wasn't a deal breaker in the deal yeah something that might blow it up exactly right so early on so now we got through those major hurdles and now we can get to the business of getting plans together that's cool, man. That's cool. Yeah. Well, is there anything else you'd like to cover before we wrap up? No, that's those are the those are the key uh, uh, key milestones. That's awesome, buddy. I'm really proud of you. Um, you know, you've come a long way, and you're you're headed amazing places. And I'm super super excited that we get to watch you do it. Yeah, appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And 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 uh, like I said, a lot of these things are team sports, and so anytime people want to see if there's a fit in the team it's always nice or even if you're not it's just nice to work adjacent because i'm partnering with people all over yeah. in different capacities and so there is that i'd always put that out there that um you know don't think that my my that i don't pick up the phone because i do and i'm always like you know willing to listen i'm not the guy that says who are you and what do you want i'm always like okay let's see if we can make something work yeah no i i can attest to that you're amazing and i from the minute that i met you your your soul your spirit, it's amazing. And you're you're really a very magnetic guy. Um, and I, I love being around you. And I really, really appreciate you being our guest on the Mike Litton Experience. Mike, really appreciate it. That was fun. Uh, thank you for that. And you did a great job hosting and, and I had a fun time as well. Appreciate you, buddy. Thanks so much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed another episode of the Mike Litton Experience. If you did, do us a favor, smash that subscribe button, tell your friends, family, and coworkers about our program, and wherever you get your podcasts, please leave us a rating. It helps us to connect with quality people just like you. And that's a wrap. Another episode of the Mike Litton Experience in the books. Reach out to Mike on Instagram at Litton Realty. Want to meet with Mike? Check out calendly.com slash Rio 760.